Are you guys ready up there? Hi and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella, I'm a WFT board member and I'm also a producer. At Catalyst International Film Festival last April, WFT held a very special panel discussion, Amplifying Traveller Voices. How can filmmaking and music offer a platform to ethnic minorities like the travelling community to share perspectives and aspects of their culture? This panel featured Alice McDowell, David McDonough, Dr. Cindy Joyce and Wilsey and was moderated by Martina Durack. This panel, you know, talking about amplifying voices, I guess I would say that it's at the core of what Catalyst <coughs> is looking to do. It's a young festival, so, you know, it's got room to grow. But uh, my background is as a documentary maker, so I'm a documentary uh, director and producer. And to me, of course, it's it's core to that. What's core to it is storytelling, and what's core to it is the human experience, and the incredible privilege that goes with people opening their lives to you, to tell you their stories, and then to trust you, also that you will kind of honour, I suppose, those stories in such a way that isn't manipulative. Um, although all film is manipulative, but that's a conversation for another day, maybe. But to some extent, um, you know, but that you don't um, that you don't twist people's stories, their lives, their experiences, and that, as I say, you honour them. And it truly is, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to do it. It's, it's an amazingly creative, uh, sometimes not necessarily very financially rewarding kind of work to do. But it is all about story. So story is what we're here for today. And we're talking specifically about amplifying voices. So voices that don't get heard as much in the mainstream, and and maybe why, you know what I mean? And how do you change that? And how do you change what might appear to be extremely entrenched positions that are very, very difficult to dislodge? So the people here are going to talk to you. They're going to talk amongst themselves, I hope, and have a conversation. And then maybe at the end, if we have time, there might be some questions or thoughts from the floor. So if, would it work for you if we just, everybody introduces themselves and gives an indication so of, of what it is they're doing in this sphere? Because we're talking about amplifying traveler voices. And I wanted to ask you something on, on that, actually, Cindy. This is Dr. Cindy Joyce. Um, and she has done, and continues to do, uh, a massive amount of work and research and with kind of an ethnographic basis to it on... Uh, the traveller experience and traveller life. But I have heard you say, and isn't it right to say, it's funny, I was looking at what's on the, the Catalyst International Film Festival brochure, that you don't like that term, traveller, that you would prefer that you be called Minkeri. Minkeri. Um, no, no, that's, that's, it's, it's not true that I don't like that term. I think that that term is, um, that, that's who we are, or that's what we're known for. Uh, as travellers, but um, the term minkir is um, one of our own um, Kent words, yeah, yeah. you know, so um, it's not that I don't like the term, it's just that that term um, is the English version of what we would be called, but the, the term minkir or pavi would be coming from our own indigenous language, and that's just um, a kind of an alternative um, yes. word to use in order to amplify, I suppose, our identity and culture in who we are. Because if you look at um, across uh, Europe, there's many different traveller groups, you know, um, in different countries 
is um, called all different um, names coming from their own cultural background. And as Irish travellers, I suppose it's important for us to distinguish um, our own cultural heritage and identity within Ireland and as part of as part of Ireland. And I suppose the term Minkeri coming from our language. And if you look at kind of the structure of our language actually comes from the ancient um, Irish tradition of the Ogham, um, um use of um, the alphabet, you know. So it's it's an ancient language that goes right back um, to the very um, beginning of Ireland. So it's just, to use that term for me, I think it just brings in more cultural heritage into um, us as a community and it gives that alternative, I suppose, um, an inclusive um, term into our language, because as we know, I suppose, like, um, like um, I suppose, Das Gwelga, that has um, distinguished in, on, on the island of Ireland, our language has also distinguished um, throughout the hundreds of years, and it's important, I suppose, for us as a community to hold on to our culture and identity and language, and language is part of... Um, it's part of how you express who you are as an identity. And I think it's an important that us as a community are beginning to come together and um, revive our language and begin to use it more. Um, our parents and our grandparents would have been much more fluent in um, in the Kent or, or, or the Gammon than, than what we would be, you know, because we didn't um, grow up um, using it um, every day um, to survive, whereas our parents and grandparents would have. And uh, I suppose it's important for us now at the stage that we are, particularly after being um, being recognised as an Indigenous ethnic minority. Um, um, uh, you know, it's important for us to keep onto um, our own um, language and start to begin to use it. And for also for our young people to have um, that that um, proud uh, that pride in our language and our culture and heritage, and the language is part of that. So. Absolutely. And of course, I mean, it's been said more than once, you know, that, that uh, the way to really kind of um, subordinate a country is to remove its language, you know, for its people, right? It's a very powerful thing. Language is a very powerful thing, not just the use of language, but distinct languages. Um, and now it's a conversation maybe that we'll take up a little bit later, but, but of course there are big challenges for you in, you know, uh, Encouraging, promoting the language, I can see and I can understand, of course, how important that is. And then how do you go from there with, with the young kids coming up, being able to use it in their everyday lives and that being a viable thing for them as they kind of negotiate their way through, in this case, Irish society, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but David, I'll just move on to you for a sec and maybe can you tell me a little bit about, here we are talking about amplifying voices and... What was your path chosen or otherwise to start even thinking about, is this something I want to do and how would I do it? Um, how are you anyway first? Um, um, I always, um, films were always very therapeutic for me, uh, just the viewing I suppose. And um, as time went by, now anyone can make a film really, you know, it's very easy. But, um, I was working in a hospital, I'm, I'm still there now, but I was working in a hospital, working in a psychiatric unit, and I saw a lot of dark stuff. And it was starting to kind of, I started to feel myself kind of being seduced by depression. And um, I wasn't, I, I, I don't think I knew it was depression at the time, but slowly it was kind of eroding me. And um, I don't know why, but I just bought a camera to see 
to go and document Galway City, you know, uh, street photography, and um, found it really therapeutic and got a great response. And like you'd never, you know, how initially you think art's not for you anyway because, you know, you just. I suppose a lot of people experience that. It's just not for you, it's for other people. But um, uh, yeah, after I suppose, after I got the initial response with the photography, I thought, why not make a film? So that's kind of the short. That's where it started from. Well, we'll, we'll talk about your film in a little while. Um, if I can just move on, Alice, to talk to you. I can see, I've seen your film, and we can talk about that in, in a little while. But. Can you tell me, like, what brought you to thinking of setting up the festival that you've set up, Mishlor, and mm -hmm. where does that fit into the theme of this here today, mm -hmm. Amplifying Voices? I mean, it seems like it's integral to it, yeah. but yeah. how and why? Like, um, I, yeah, I'm originally from Australia. I've been living in Galway for 12, 13 years now, and... Um, Actually, David asked me that in the car on the way down. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually, I don't really know. I guess we found each other, myself and the Galway Travel Movement. I ended up working on a number of projects with them, photos and videos. And, um, and then, yeah, a few years ago, I don't know where the, we kind of conjured up an idea of doing a festival of nomadic cultures that would be celebrating uh, traveler uh, traditions and cultures, but also other nomadic um, traditions around the world and so we're in our fourth year this year and um, I think I just think yeah through the lens of creativity comes conversation and comes a space for people to come together that's really that's sure uh, and we can talk we are, we'll yeah. do as well a little bit more about your film um, Wilsey your work is very much kind of in the arena isn't it of like spoken word rap and also film uh, film, yeah, and yeah. spoken word, and yeah, rap, yeah, yeah. poetry element. There's a certain kind of uh, power, and there can be a very, um, yeah, well, there is, you know, there's a certain kind of primal power to someone standing in front of you and doing a spoken word monologue, right? It's it's a powerful thing because the connection between you and the person and the person, yeah, but right? also uh, is coming from the traveling community, it's not it's not like an open thing where men talk about their feelings or they can channel energy into different things. So just to be able to do that and I suppose to be respected for doing that, mm. you know what I mean, is, is a great value in itself. Um, but that's what really led me down that road is, is to kind of keep up myself out there so others can put themselves out there through the mode of film or rap or festivals or, you know. But then, you know, when you're saying it's not, we'll say, commonly accepted or commonly expected yeah. anyway uh, for young men, yeah. To, to do this, or certainly older men in, in the traveling community, um, then how did you and did it take a lot of kind of breaking through internal kind oh, of prejudices took, to took do it? Took a hell of a lot of work, yeah. yeah. Took a hell of a lot of work. I, I was grateful because when I was uh, coming up in the music, I had like the likes of music generation and everything mm. that they, like, they facilitated for me and they were able to take me in. And like, to be honest with you, I was very, very rough around the edges. Mm. One, because of like, you put on this exterior uh, shell around yourself, you know, and you don't want to be like people infiltrated or you could, and, and you have to harden your skin when you're a traveler as well. Sure. So it's all about like allowing yourself to be openly accepted by people who are from a different community and for them to work with you and get the best result for you, not for them, for you. And I thought that was great. And I thought that little sentiment there was 
the thing they wanted me to change because I was going in there every day finding the value. You know what I mean? I wasn't yeah. going in there like feeling bad going away from it. I was feeling like, actually, I might be able to do this. Then it's becoming real. Oh my God, I wrote my first bear. Oh, I'm fucking making a song. Yeah. Oh my God, just me on the daily. You know what I mean? And it all comes from like just little elements of trust and, and development, as I yeah. said. And, and of course, like developing, as you say, developing your skills to the yeah. point where you think, and I'm not even talking about, we'll say, the content, let's say, for a sec, yeah. but developing skills that you feel, I can do this, like I have, yeah. I now have the capacity to make things. Now it's like, and what do you put yeah. into them then is the next thing, right? You know, yeah. what do you put into those moments? What do you put into those videos or films? I think it's, it's like having seen the other side. So for me, um, starting off with the rough edges, as I said, and then molding into a different part, I'm, I'm not ever going to forget my roots and I'm not ever going to forget that, that I came from mistakes and, and that I had mistakes made, you know. So I think if you can find the fine line between accepting your flaws and wanting to change and if you can channel that energy, like let it be like I've spoken words say about the gangland violence that exists inside Limerick. So like predominantly some of my family would have been caught up in that years ago, you know what I mean? So like being so close to the edge but not being involved and just being able to reference it, being someone that would have been seen around certain circles, but now talking in a different strength. Do you get me? And I think that's how we're going to bring about change. I don't think change comes by me saying, oh, aren't I a great old traveller? I think it comes by me saying, oh, I am a traveller, but how can I make it great? Do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do completely. And <laughs> it's also, I mean, everything that we're talking about here uh, at the table has to do with communication. Yeah. You know, it has to do with being able to, in some way, whether it's through film, music, whatever it might be, research, um, that you are communicating with people a whole set of things and lots of different things and they could be conflicting and they could be difficult and, yeah. you know, and not what you want to say or what you want to hear. So there's, it's, it's a big world, like I was saying to them earlier. Just to touch on what Cindy was saying, like, like yeah. looking at the Kent, for example, say, like that is like parallel with Gael, with the Gaelic language and how even predates the Gaelic language. If you really go back, like I think that's one of the founding Irish languages that exist in this world or, or onto this land. So you got to realize like we have traveler heritage for years and before like the 1963 itinerancy report would have come in like and, and for travelers to be forced to be assimilated, we were actually seen as an ordinary people. But it was because we took examples from like England, UK, Germany, and we tried to like make a, a people who are, who are more from our nation than our own people. Like assimilate with what? Like what? Like, like go change yourself for what? So it became dirty to be that. It became dirty to, as we were saying, like even to talk in that language. So I think it's, it's, the, the development of full circle is, I think <coughs> we should involve them languages a hell of a lot more through the modes of films, through the modes of music. We should re, re, you know, re, give it a rebirth and, like the more you hear it, the more you learn it, you know, but if we keep dodging the bullet, we won't. Like. Yeah, and I mean, I can definitely say that that's true if I look at, say, the Irish language, you mm. know, um, and I do a lot of work with TGKR and what they have done with the, you know, dedication and pride and determination to say, this is our language, you know, yeah. this is how we communicate. And but isn't it funny that there's only one channel in Ireland that speaks Irish? Yeah. Out of them all. Yeah. Like, but we're Irish, aren't we? Like, you know. So, uh, but, you know, I, I suppose it is down to that whole thing uh, that, that uh, Cindy was talking about earlier, which is language and language, you know, and, and assimilation, mm. what you're talking about, right? So we've got language on the one hand and people's language and then 
what's, when it becomes that the strongest mode is, we say, the English language in this country and the settled community, um, then it seemed that it was about a society trying to find ways to kind of tidy itself up or something. You know, you know, like we say <coughs> years ago where people, how would I put it? Um, people wanted ready-made things. Like that became the thing. You have ready-made things. That was fantastic. You want to leave all the old stuff behind, you know? Yeah. Or people who spoke Irish in Gaelic regions and who went to other countries think that you've got to leave that behind. You can going around speaking Irish to each other. That's in the past. Mm -hmm. English is the future, right? And that whole idea of becoming part of culture and accepted but until was, someone starts asking questions. It was also, I suppose, when you look at um, kind of from the foundation of the state and, and, and the Irish government trying to build the state, you know, and when you look back at trying to have um, kind of portray this new image to the world of who Irish people were and what Irish culture and heritage was all about. And we had the revival of the Irish um, culture and literature and the arts and music and so forth, you know. But I suppose within all that, um, what, what began to happen was um, that our community began to be isolated from that because I suppose when you're looking at, um, I suppose the research tells you that when, um, when Ireland was beginning to um, set, I suppose, an identity for itself, you know, and build up the state, because I suppose we were a poor country as well, you know, and, and we had a lot of social issues that were happening. So um, Ireland was looking for investments from, um, from international um, companies. And I suppose looking at that, we had um, American um, companies coming to Ireland to invest in, in, in this new um, independent state where they, um, the last thing that the Irish government wanted them to see was Ireland to be still seen as this poverty-stricken country. And I suppose with our traditional um, camps uh, with the tents and the wagons dotted all over the country, they wanted to move those out of sight, you know, um, from these um, investors. Um, so I suppose when you be, when you begin to see then through, throughout the years uh, where um, that building of the state came, you can see that our traditional camps began to be um, dismantled and um, we started to be pushed from um, from camp to camp in different areas. And I suppose gradually we um, gradually I suppose the the general public um, I suppose began to um, began to see us I suppose as um, as different as well, and and I suppose when our um, all our trades and <coughs> such as um, tin smithing and um, you know the invention of plastic and things like that started to come in, um, our the, the traveller economy began to dismantle as well. So I suppose looking at um, I suppose when um, Ireland was beginning to prosper in its cultural and acts, you know, that was kind of a stage where we were beginning to be oppressed in the state that we're in by the, by the Irish um, state itself, you know, um, being excluded from all um, arts, literature and culture. And when we look at, like, um, David uh, just saying, like, that he didn't think that art would be for him, you know, that's part of the... Um, um, oppression that that we have experienced as a community that we have been excluded from so many different things in society that uh, that it becomes a state where we feel that um, things are not for us but if you look back at the history of our community we are a very um, artistic community that are involved in art and very very um, successful in art when you look at the, the, the making of the and um, building of wagons for example and you look at the designs around that and like a lot of that that's all hand painters you know and um, even even um, how they paint and the tools that they use you know for example the, the they would use um, 
uh, different parts of um, horses um, hair, you know, um, to for, for the paintbrushes and things like that, you know. So you have all these kind of artistic um, elements within our community and fantastic um, and successful artists within our own community that we would know. But I suppose, out, I suppose outside of our community in, in mainstream society, that is not um, seen. In, it's in, not seen in, or recognized or recognized or heard and just like it, the, our language as well you know our language is not recognized um as, as 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 language in ireland either when you look at how it's used um you know a lot of people use some of our words um every day and they don't realize the origin of our words where they come from you know limerick for example uses a uses a lot of um fiends yours yeah and Limerick people will tell you it's Limerick slang, but then you go to Cork and a lot of Cork people say it, and Cork people will tell you it's Cork slang, and then you go to Wexford and Wexford people will tell you it's Wexford slang, but it's all our language, you know, it boils down to the origin of our language, it's not slang, it's 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 a legitimate um, Sure, and it's appropriated into, into the, the dominant language. Thing. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. David, you want to say something? I agree with a hundred percent with what was said, but I, I believe a lot too in winning individual battles, small little fights, mm -hmm. and um, like the panel where we were talking about um, traveler voices. I think that's important. The small little fights when you can when you're talking about voices, and um, I saw Wilsey recently on the Claire Byrne show, and he was brilliant. And um, it was what I what I was really sad about when I watched that. Um, was to hear so many people, especially a senator, not not a negative, talk about the shame that they experienced, and um, like, there's no reason to be ashamed. You know, there's there's it there's, there's a lot to be proud of. You know, like like I'm the first generation of my family that's allowed to kind of dream. Yeah. You know, and um, because the other generations were trying to stay alive. But speaking of dreaming, your film is called Dreamer. Mm, yeah, uh, no I mistake. Think is it yeah. later? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I've had the privilege of watching it, and I really, but really enjoyed it. But Kathleen Keenan, she mm -hmm. talks about that. She does dreaming. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, what I was saying was, um, like the in, there's so much you can do individually. Like mm -hmm. you can't always affect policy, and you can't change people's minds and stuff. But there's so much you can do for yourself. Like I, I, I recently, a guard said to me, um, I was out late taking photos, and a guard said to me, "Where'd you steal the camera?" Uh, but he didn't appreciate when I said, off your old one. So, <laughs> but there, but uh, what I did was I took a photo of him and I gave him the photo afterwards. And he said, thanks. So uh, anytime I experience something negative like that, I try and turn it into art. And I think it's huge. Like it's, this has been a real rabbit hole for me. Like I met a lad the other day who experienced a brain injury and he was a, a filmmaker. He, he studied it and... Um, what other world or what other thing can you turn something as negative as a brain injury into art? And you can turn racism into art and you can turn ignorance into art. And another thing as well that's really important, like I was saying about individual voices, is don't underestimate the power of telling, of being a traveler who tells a non-traveler's story where nobody else will listen to them. And a traveler comes into that space and says, I'll tell your story. I met a piece with a fellow recently who was um, a prison officer and he, he suffers from PTSD and he rescues animals now. And um, he, no one cares. And he has a lot of problems himself uh, because of the condition. He clashes with people a lot. And um, there's a lot of healing 
And I know I changed things for him, his perspective of Travers, by making that film. So don't underestimate that either. And do you think when you say that, you know, travelers telling traveler stories are non-traveler stories and the other way around, in the case of Alice, um, that really what that comes down to is fundamentally storytelling and the humanity that's involved in that experience of coming together with someone, that anyone should have that right to tell any story. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but um, and I, you probably all saw a clip knocking about Facebook and Instagram with um, Denzel Washington where they're speaking to him about making films. Um, like, why does a black person have to make a, a, a film about black people? He said, it's not a color thing, it's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. It's an understanding and an appreciation. Like, you're not going to get the depth of understanding initially, you could do, you know, and, and, and like, there's fantastic filmmakers who mightn't have a complete grasp of the culture. Sure. And that the film would suffer. And then there's, of course, people who would be drenched in the culture and then wouldn't have the technique of another filmmaker would have. So it's it's a balancing act. But I think it, it would be great for to have competent filmmakers telling important stories from my culture. For sure. Telling our and, own stories. And it does, like it, all of that kind of inhabits that space of um, understanding culture, bringing a perspective to it. So whether you're coming from the inside out or the outside in, in other words, the world is a broad place. So there's, you know, there are possibilities for all sorts of ways of telling stories. But of course, the fundamental thing that we're looking at in this panel is who gets to control the narrative, maybe. You know what I mean? So that's... Uh, it's, just, I yeah. think one thing about the, the travelling community is it, we seem to be, and, and it's not biased because they come from it, but it, it just seems that they're a community that is able to accept all other people. Like, I'll, I'll tell you this. I was talking to a couple of lads that are there. One lad was black, one lad was disabled. I've been the traveller. And you know what, there was nothing, there was absolutely, and I never met these people before, but there was nothing between us. But yeah, but we all shared something. There was a little thing inside of each one of us, and although that, like that disabled lad was Irish, settled, whatever, there was an inequality inside of him, and you can feel the inequality when you're around a circle of people who've been treated unequal. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's the beauty about the travellers is, if you were walking past and... Just for example's sake, you were down on your luck, you fell on your face right outside of his sight. You can be guaranteed that they'll pick you up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same with diversity. Like where I come from, a lot of people are uncomfortable with seeing people with different skin colours and a different accent. And I love it because I'm just another person to them. Mm. Where they don't they don't come to here come here with the with that prejudice, you know. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Love and it. uh, I I want to bring Alice into this now. Uh, Alice, you're it's these are all kind of, I suppose, they're potentially kind of sensitive points. Do you, and, and hitting on the things that we just talked about in the last few minutes, you know, uh, feeling the right or the privilege or whatever yeah. to come into or go into someone else's world. And we know that it's a world and, and the peoples who have been treated in some ways like appallingly in this mm -hmm. country. And how do you negotiate that? Um... I, yeah, it's a good question, and I do I do question myself and uh, my right to go and make films. And I always say with people from the traveler community, and that's not the only community that I work with, but with, I mean, you have to have some kind of common understanding at the end of the day. And, um, for example, Spread the Wings, the short film that we'll also play afterwards. Um, I didn't know the family. I didn't know all of them. But basically, I know them because I would have done work with Galway Traveller Movement uh, to highlight the appalling living conditions where they're living. They're living on 
one of the worst halting sites in Galway City, next to the our city dump. So I knew them from that context, and I went out and spent an afternoon with them in Connemara when they were out going back, you know, for their holidays, as they call them. Um, they go back there for a few weeks or a few months in the summer. And I went out there, and I literally spent an afternoon with them, and the idea was we were going to do a project about just highlighting the, the old stopping places around Galway City and County and kind of celebrate them. But I, what I saw, and maybe it was an outside, maybe it was, I don't know if I'm an outsider or I'm part, but what I saw was... <laughs> Thanks, Wilsey. <laughs> but like, what I saw was just this transformation of some people that I knew who live next to the job, but a transformation of people who were absolutely in their element. And I, I thought, like, well, I've almost felt a duty to share it, in a way. Yeah, uh, I like yeah. the word that you said, duty, because I think, like, being a traveler, it would be, and not maybe having the... Um, the ability to tell your own stories, someone to come into a, a community and tell your story is is great too. You know, I know what you're talking about. Who owns the stuff? That's difficult too because when you start putting labels on things, it limits what you can make as well on the other side. But I think for sure with Alice, like how she pushed the idea of me making a film and and pushed me with the film, you could see your intent was very pure. So I think that you know you you can tell when somebody is is. You know, what's their intent? Yeah. You and can that, always tell that. That's a good question. And in talking about how you can do things, and I absolutely believe that it shouldn't be like, yeah, people from the community should be telling their stories and have the opportunity or, I don't know, feel supported or feel like... Um, and so in our festival, which is called Mishlor, by the way, I don't think I said that, which is also a cant word, um, the idea is to we set up a bursary, and that's mm -hmm. how I came to know David, um, so that it wouldn't. That's be... how you got to make that film, Dreamer, I David. Yeah. I wouldn't have made a film. Ah, yeah. you would have yeah. probably. <laughs> you would have. I definitely wouldn't have made Dreamer. Yeah. No, but listen, I mean, these are interesting and and important and kind of sometimes difficult points to consider, and that is about whose story and who tells it and all of that. I mean, personally, I'm of the opinion that everybody can tell every story. Um, and that there's lots of different ways we can support and encourage and be bear witness with each other. While at the same time, I'd be foolish if I didn't recognize if I go into a particular kind of community that I don't really know, I'll tell a partial something, but that's valid and that could be great and wonderful as well. I'll tell a different one to say if you were doing it or you were doing it, David. But this is what I was just going to say, that then it comes down to who has the power to get their story out. How do you do that? What do you, what do you think of this? Absolutely. I think if you look back like at, um, at the, the past hundred years and look back to, um, to the, um, how we have been documented as a community from, um, from the outside, you know, looking in to kind of like, um, I suppose, they, they have this kind of misinterpretation on who we are as a people and as a culture and as an identity. And I suppose that has been... Um, the same narrative has been continuously reproduced decade after decade after decade by by the by the same media outlets. You know, when you look at when you're looking at um, like for example, you look at 
all the um, the archives, you know, you can see that it's, it, 90% of those representations are negative representations, you know, and they, they didn't um, see the, the beauty and the culture and the heritage and the art and and our workmanship as well, you know, within the community. And, and I suppose also our care, as Wilsey was talking about, our care for other people and our humanity, you know, mm -hmm. that has not been um, been shown to the mainstream society. And I suppose when you, when you look at... I suppose it's it's similar to um, many other indigenous groups sure. and globally how they have been represented um, through the media and misrepresentation of their culture and identity because something is different and um, it somehow needs to be scary, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, to the public, which is so untrue, you know, you, um, we need to start embracing um, different cultures and identity. And because Ireland has been so long a uh, white settled Catholic country, you know, um, very um, lacking in diversity. You know, it's only in the last couple of decades that we have seen more diversity. And I think that that has given, um, that has given room for Ireland to grow, I think, in learning about different um, cultures and identity, but not only um, different cultures and identities that, that are new into Ireland, no. but um, our, our own um, ancient um, culture and identity that we have in Ireland that um, the majority of the public um, knows nothing about. Um, I think that it's, that it's now time for that to be seen in, um, in a truthful and honest manner. And I think that that's part of being able to tell our own stories and, to, and for, um, for people like Alice to support us in a community sure. and actually to have that duty. And it's a responsibility as well to be able to portray that in, um, in a sensitive and honest and truthful manner. When you look at um, kind of like uh, the work that has been done, I suppose, recently um, on our community and a lot more... Um, Kind of a truthful and honest depiction of our community has has been um, shown through film and through the arts and through um, through broadcasting and things like that. You can see that with those more positive um, aspects, the community are involved. You know, it's it's no more the settled gaze upon a community. It's now um, where we have our own um, our own voice, and uh, we um, we intend to use it and shout so as loud as you can. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, what you were saying there, you look at the last couple of decades in Ireland and the exponential changes that have happened. Uh, through people from different countries coming in, you know, so physically being there in their numbers and where they go and where they live, and then what that does in terms of opening up people's ideas of what their, what society is, what community is, you know, and how that changes. So you've got kids growing up here now who maybe were born in a different country or kids growing up who were born here and they're Irish from different cultures, different countries. And you look in the last few years and think things are changing to the extent where it's not acceptable anymore to hide behind whatever people hid behind. So, you know, if you want to talk about equality for people from different cultures and different countries, then how can you not look at what's happening in your own country? It's just... Right, so it's not acceptable, like you're saying, oh, yeah. Cindy. That changes the conversation entirely because you just can't have this bullshit anymore. It's it's not going to wash. With absolutely, people. absolutely. And if you look at, um, I suppose, um, what Wilsey was talking about there, we have we connect with um, with other people, I suppose, in Ireland that experience inequality. And I suppose, particularly, I suppose, for me, we connect a lot with people that are living in direct provision. You know, because um, uh, that that similar circumstances of being excluded from the mainstream society and not having um, the same rights as everybody else um, 
in, in, in society, you know. So I think that it's important, I suppose, that we begin to, um, to, to um, look at all people in an equal manner and not just um, that certain people are the right type of people that you can care about and have an understanding about and uh, learn about their culture. I think that you need to start kind of, Ireland itself need to start broaden its, its, yes. its, its, its mind. And I suppose accept the fact that, that there has been racism in Ireland for, 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 for hundreds of years and, and that there still is a high level of racism in Ireland. And I think that what we need to do is come together and start to say, how can we tackle, tackle this as a collective? Um, both, uh, both, um, both the traveller and the settled um, um, society needs to come together and start to have honest and open conversations. And these honest and open com conversations, they have to make you uncomfortable for anything to change. You know, um, that's when things begin to change, is when you begin to feel uncomfortable. You're not going to change things until you feel uncomfortable. You need to look at yourself and start to, start to, and not, not just um, the settled community, but I suppose us as a community as well, start to ask yourselves like of who we are as a people, who we are as a community, and who we are as, as a country, you know, togetherness, and start to accept each other and embrace difference, and look at how, how, how beautiful difference um, of cultures can be. And I suppose that um, that learning from 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 others, or, and that exchange of knowledge and learning that can happen once that's done. But I think that we have um, we're beginning to, to to go in that direction. But I think that we still have a long road to go. Uh, undoubtedly. Um, following on from that, David and Willie, I'm particularly interested to hear what you have to say about this. Um, amplifying voices within your own culture, then. How do you do that? How do you change access for people who don't feel that they have access to lots of different things within kind of the broader society as it currently stands? And how do you change the mindset? Because you've both kind of said, I wasn't expected to, or I didn't think I could, but then I found this, and yeah. you, you found a way. So how, how does that get broadened out so that you young boys and young girls feel, feel more... Um, I think we see through the, the through the invisible wall, like when you live inside of a Halton City, you come from the travelling community, like there's a travelling community and there's set life and there's no wall, but we seem to exist, we seem to think it is. We think that there's like limits and boundaries in, in our lives that doesn't exist. And I think myself and Dave were lucky in the sense that we just took that little baby step forward to see was it real. And then we noticed that it wasn't. And we still took off to running. You know what I mean? And, that, and, that, and that's basically the way it happened. And I think like we need more people to be coming into the traveling community. And like if you look back into the, the, the films like The Field, the bird in the, in the field, that was, he's based off of a traveler. Now, if you look at how they dressed him, he's toothless, he's dirty, he's illiterate, he's everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and that in a very, very subtle way was how we were seen in people's eyes. And like, like I love that film. Like, I'm not going against it, but it's just how we were depicted. And like, isn't it amazing that in 2022, so that would have been meh, late 80s, 70s, in around there. So you can go into 2022, you have a panel full of travellers sitting down talking about getting there. Like, that's evolution in itself. But it didn't come without having people like Alice. It didn't come without having people making, and this is not Alice, terrible, terrible films. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like you don't want to name them by any chance, do you? No, because they annoyed us. They annoyed us to such a point where it's that, and it's not you. But they, but they annoyed us to such a point where it's like I need to get up. Like I wrote my own film, and like and we we shot it. It's called Innocent Boy. It's a it's a film about a young travelling boy who has hearing difficulties who like 
when he takes out his hearing aid, he's one with the horse. There's nothing else in the world. It's just him and his horse. And he goes through a lot of things, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'd like you to see it. But like, I wrote that off of obviously a self-biographic, but because I got sick of seeing the same old, hi Mary, I'm all right, Francie. You know, that kind of old dry Irish fucking, you know, nonsense. Like, and let's talk yeah. to you. So I wanted to make it really about the culture. And like, from what I've gathered, and I've seen Dreamer as well, like, that's embedded in the culture. But it came from influence of two sides, both settled and traveller. And I think that's where we're making the best work. I think that's where the best work exists. Like, as I said, I have music to narrate. I have other people in my life now that are settled, that are making fucking move mountains for me. But it's because we're working coinciding with each other. And I think that's the important thing. I think we need to forget about the imaginary boundaries. I think we need to forget half of the history. Because if you really think about it, why travellers are kind of half salty is because our history is not included. If you look up in a history book that, that has been taught yeah, inside yeah. in school, like what's the point in sitting down in, in a history class, listening to something, and you're, you're already forgotten about in it? doesn't make no sense. You get where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. So like more inclusion, more, more being more adapted to each other's situations and understanding. Boom. There we go. Then we're making, then we're fucking Ireland's Golden Globes is happening for the travelers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Sure. And also, everything that you said there sounds right and how it should be. And absolutely, you know, I, I agree with you. And I can't help then but reflect on the fact that education for travelers is a real problem. You know, travelers dying younger is a real problem. Uh, Young men committing suicide is is a real problem. The census in 2002 um, showed that there was only like 1% or 2% of travelers ever even obtained third-level education. It was in 2011 that we had the first 1% of travelers to ever reach third-level education. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Right? And then, and then I think it was like. But you know, so those are very. What I mean is, those are very real barriers. Yeah. Now, how how they came to be, and I, I mean, I I like that analogy that you've used. Like it's an invisible wall because mm. it's not as if I can point to one thing and say, oh, that's because of that act. You know, you weren't allowed to do the thing, right? So it's not that. So there's a whole load of kind of invisible barriers, but they're there. And how mm-hmm. how do you? Because all of this stuff that we're talking about, you know, creatively exploring identity and community and our commonality it's brilliant and you it's very important that? but how, how do you what yeah, do you think yeah i suppose if you look it, it, it there is no um kind of answer that this is no. the reason you know but it it, it it does go back um again to the the oppression and the isolation that we have experienced as a community and um and I suppose it's not been negative because it, it, you have to go back to the root causes of where you are as a community now. And like, if you look back at the treatment of our community within the education system, you know, it's just horrendous. Like when you look back, like we had um, surrogated uh, traveller schools where traveller children were not allowed to go in and, and um, uh, to mainstream schools and to sit in the same classrooms as um, as their settled peers. We had, um, and then when we had schools where travellers were allowed into into these schools, you had in the schoolyard where you had a red or a yellow line dividing down the middle where you had um, the Minker community on one side and the settled community on the other side, and neither were allowed to um, interact with each other. So, so when you look back at um, all, all, all of that treatment that we experienced as a community, and also I suppose, um, I suppose when you look back at um, how 
as I was talking to uh, talking about a minute ago, how we were pushed from our traditional camps and in, in towards um, cities and towns because originally we were a, a rural people, you know, and pushed into yeah. cities and towns, you know, and pushed in on all on top of one another, um, overcrowded in conditions that were unfit for 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 animals, not to mind for human beings, you know, and um, putting into just fields, not in it, but just mud yeah. and no services, no sanitary um, facilities available. When you look at when you look look at um, kind of the history of our community then on how we um, I suppose not only um, survived these horrendous um, um, acts of um, inhumane treatment and breaches of human rights um, um, because that's exactly what it was and, and still is you know there's there's travelers still living today without access to um, water and to um, to toilets you know in the middle of a pandemic and 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 I suppose there you know you can see that um, that within that, you know, that has an effect on uh, people's education. It has an effect on their health, both physically and mentally. You know, it has an effect on the accommodation, the living circumstances that that, that you're living in. So, for example, like when you're looking at, um, you get a lot of um, stereotypical, um, um, I suppose, uh, responses um, why the travellers leave school so early if they just finished their junior cert or their leaving cert. You know, why don't they go to third level education? It's there for everybody, that, but they just don't do it. You know, it's not simply that travellers are leaving school. Travellers are being pushed out of school, mm -hmm. you know, through discrimination, through isolation within the classroom. As Wilsey talked about, our history and our culture is, has never been included uh, within the curriculum. There's a bill at the moment that's gone through um, uh, the Senate to, to, to put our history and culture within, within the, the, school the, the school curriculum. And that's an important step. You know, and I think it's it's important for for traveller children to be able to see their history and culture and learn about their history and culture along with their settled peers, and particularly for their settled peers to learn Absolutely, about them, right? Because yeah. that's where the the kind of disconnect and it's huge mm -hmm. seems to be. I mean, it's massive, right? What people's oh, just, understanding of just, culture, history at all of of their of their brethren people and and your traditions, you know. And how changed they have been, how drastically changed they were in Absolutely, the last 50 years. Yeah. And just um, just, just on that, um, as I was talking about, when travellers were pushed into these um, towns, and, uh, towns and cities, you know, mm. um, in um, the, the, um, the belly, belly firmish and cherry arches up in Dublin, uh, the community itself, living in horrendous conditions, built their own school, you know, yeah. um, for, for, for the children. And um, within a week, the um, authorities came and bulldozed, bulldozed down the school. You know, so so it's just um, like people say that we don't uh, um, uh, respect or understand education. You know, but it's the opposite um, way around. It's that the education institution um, doesn't understand or respect us as a people or a community. Yeah, I think the whole. Uh, I have an interesting aspect on that. I think the whole education thing, the lack of education, is an illusion to a certain extent, and I'll tell you why. Um, my grandmother was illiterate. My grandparents were illiterate. I remember uh, when we used to shop at Dunn stores. She used to do the shopping list. She would draw, which is funny because that's how kind of writing developed. It was part of it anyway. But um, my dad was the first generation that could read or write. He came out of a ditch on the side of the road. He he stayed in a tent in a wagon and such. But um, so. He's the first, my granny is illiterate. My dad learns to read and write. In our house, um, I have a degree from NUIG. My brother has um, studied RCSI, uh, Royal College of Surgeons in Dublin, and my sister has a degree from Sligo IT. Now, if you go back in anybody's family here, maybe where your family was illiterate, 
was the jump as, as quick as that. So in one generation now, you have, you have that. I remember that number you talked about there, about the single digits. I remember that actually being put to me because I was one of that, those few in third level education at the time. And um, so, it's, so I think it's kind of an illusion because we're on two different timelines, if you get me. So like, give, give us a minute, you know. It's also yeah. <laughs> it's also like the the elephant. You ever hear about a baby elephant? Like if you, so when a baby elephant they train it, you have to keep putting heavy chains in it. Okay. So the bigger they grow, the smaller the chain gets. And so eventually, when they're fully grown, they're only tied by a rope and a small peg. But they've been trained since a small child that the weight is always Just there, things. so they can't break. Although they would tear that up and go. And it's the same thing. I think we need to take the weight off of what we are, and I think we need to take all that pressures off, and then we can grow and we'll know our full full talent. But if we keep being weighed down by all of this like treacherous and you know like darkness that that I, that does exist and it's not only like settled and travelers travelers and travelers need to calm the f down as well like like a hundred percent can be getting bad over someone calling you an acker and you calling them everything underneath the sun and more you get where i'm coming yeah. from so there needs to be a lot of a lot of strip stripping things back and a lot of taking off all the weight and the sensitivity about it and i, I think that there's something about that yeah yeah um, another thing that I, I think is really interesting as well is you talked about how we can kind of, no matter how articulate your conversation is when you're talking to somebody, you'll see straight away if they're locked down on their opinion, you'll see the, the facial muscles locked and the arms crossed and stuff. But there's something about art that it comes in the, in the guise of entertainment and all of a sudden it turns into an education and it penetrates people differently. Then, then conversation. No matter how articulate the conversation is, you can't tell people something. It's like, like a filmmaker will tell you, "Don't tell me, show me." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can do that through art, and you can do. I, I even hate saying it because it's almost like you know you don't want to ruin it, you know. But you can, you can, you can approach people with art, and uh, like, like stuff is so. I told um, Alice, uh, I knew Alice maybe a day, and I was telling her about Wilsey before I ever met him, because I was really moved by his stuff. Mm. And, and the thing about it as well is it's, it's high level. Like, we yeah. were talking on the way up about it, and I was saying, like, if only his music had been in Love Hate, if only his music had been in Kin, because oh, it's, it's good enough. Them, They're making yeah. another series I'll of Kin. Them, <laughs> feel quit after this, we'll get it sorted. No problem, but, no problem. Do you, know, you know what I mean? It's I good do. enough to stand there. Like, so, so if, it, it, if only, like, you know. Yeah. And... It, and that's I, I no. listen, I definitely, you, you know, the you role know. that art and culture and creativity and music and film has to play in our lives is massive. It might be kind of amorphous, it might be difficult to define, but it is a hugely important part of how we identify ourselves at all, you know. I was very taken by the line, Alice, in your film, Spread the Wings. Uh, Maggie, who's such a man, she's such a powerful character, isn't she? She's beautiful. Um, she's talking about when she was younger, you know, she grew up, she did kind of always expected her. She had her kids, she had them young. And that's what she did. She took care of her kids. And she said, and then you look and you say, where did your life go? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's such a, and she's not sad, she's not crying, but she is going, what? And then she says, so if I was to do it again, yeah. I would do it all again. Yeah. And yeah. I'd do it the same way. But she was well, saying, being on her holidays out in Connemara, it's beautiful. The yeah. little boy, yeah, Connie, yeah. in the film, you know, and he's the next generation coming up. Yeah. Um, and there's, of course, for her and her sister and brother-in-law, 
there's the wistfulness of only being able to go there every so often because when your brother-in-law is talking about the places, all Oscar actually the names, or maybe it's I'm not sure it might be can't the names that he's talking about where they used to go, you know, and he says but they're actually gone now. You can't go there anymore because they've bored not boarded them but they've blocked them. Allah, we can't go back there. Like. So they can't go back to the place. They've been going there since they were kids. Yeah. And it's a, it's open country. like It's yeah. open country. Those you know? boulders would be kind of yeah. something what we would call the unofficial boulder act. Yeah. Um, it's um, it, it's it's the, that visual representation of blocking our tradition and culture of, um, of nomadism, you know. So like anywhere you go across Ireland and you can see these big boulders that are blocking up um, little byways or little, little um, parts of fields or, or, or places that would be able to stop in. And usually these places would be near um, a river, for example, where there's access to water, you know. So these would, would have been the old traditional um, camping sites. Yeah, and and the boulders are, are there to keep to keep us out. And I suppose in um, I suppose that's that's the unofficial part of it. But then there's an official part where we have um the halting sites where we have um you know the height barriers that are that are over over the the, the sites. And those height barriers are there for the reason to keep other travellers out of the the halting sites, um so that no more would um would come oh. in come in with their caravans, you know. And there's only um um it's only the authority that has the one key for that. And I suppose the, the issue the, the biggest issue for the community with that is that uh, things like ambulances and fire and fire brigades can't access um halting sites you know so when there's somebody sick on the site they have to be brought from the site out through the site and onto the main road which the main road could be 90 kilometers per hour the same with school buses when school buses are coming to collect children to bring them to school the school bus has to park out in the main road where it's 90 90 miles per hour because it's usually on busy roads in the middle of nowhere where people can't um, see us where we're invisible to, to, to society I suppose blocked off what you can't yeah. see, you don't care about, you know, um, and I suppose out of sight, out of mind, kind of thing. And that's that was kind of the design of how the sites were built in the first place. They were built, and um, they were never meant to be um, permanent. They were meant, no. they were meant to be temporary in order to assimilate us and and to get us used to um, settling and staying in one place. You know that that was that was the main aim for them. And within it, it says it in the 1963 identity report that within one or two decades that we as a community would disappear you know and those words were used where uh, also as well where they use they use the words where there can be no final solution until our tenants are absorbed into into mainstream society so those type of types of um it wasn't long, mm. no, it was less yeah, than 20 They must have been aware of the terminology, years, you know. surely. Absolutely, right? of course they were. Yeah. And that's the type of attitude, I suppose, that we have experienced for decades upon decades. And I suppose, um, it, uh, as we said, uh, like it's only recently that we are beginning to, I suppose, um, as a community, I suppose, um, beginning to, because of, I suppose, international... Um, international um, pressure that, were, that that has been put on Ireland as a state, you know, to, to begin to um, pull up their socks um, with, with human rights. And, and they have breached uh, many human rights and has been, um, has been um, told by, by many different human rights bodies, both national and international, to, um, to, to, to do something. But, um, and, and I suppose step by step, um, they're, they're, they're trying to show because one thing that, 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 that the Irish state don't like is to be seen yeah, yeah. As, as, yeah. As, um, as that they're not doing their bit um, through the international eyes. They want to be seen as this great, fantastic country that are doing so much for human rights, for people so inclusive, so diverse. 
But when you look down to the deep root of things, that is not true. That's that's the illusion that we give off to the world. That's the illusion, you know, within, I suppose, when we look at it, and we have different pockets of society, not only our community, but different pockets of society, disassociated-disadvantaged communities all across Ireland as well that are experiencing exclusion and haven't had the opportunity to be able to... Um, to have the same um, um, human rights and access those human rights as, as everybody else in society. And just, sorry, just before you say that, David, I just wanted to ask you actually about that. Following on from what you said there, Cindy, it's visibility then is a very important part of the work and what you're creating as well, because, you know, you want to create a level of, of visibility and um, communication and involvement in not just decision making, but actually making people more aware of of presence, you know, of culture, of whatever the, the creative kind of things are. And then the practical things, of course, are part of it as well, those stories that you're telling. So visibility is huge, isn't it, in what you do? Like? Diversity is a huge ally to the traveling community um, because it's very easy to observe how institutionalized we are by racism and how accepting we are by it because, like Alice told me on the way up, if you meet a foreign national or whatever you want to get almost sounds like a horrible thing if our national yeah. if, if you meet someone who's not they'll say what the hell is going on here they observe it differently than the everyday irish person does and we accept it as well travelers accept it too to a certain extent you know because we're beaten down by it but what was interesting you mentioned about maggie and you know about those places and stuff is um and if you ever question the artist the the creativity of the traveling community you should hear some of the nicknames to come up for with uh, for each other but like I, I'm lucky enough I haven't got one but yes. they call, I'm referred to as Davy sure? Davy's David because my dad is David as well so we we belong to each other we don't belong to a place and if you ask any traveler if you ask any traveler um, uh, where you know yeah I could ask someone where well, maybe it's maybe it's everybody but you in my experience if you ask someone if they could go anywhere where would it be it wouldn't be a place, it would be with a person in a time. It'll be a person that's probably gone. It'll be a table and sitting with your mother or sitting with your granny or whatever. We're, we just have each other, that's all we have. We don't have a place. I remember at work recently, um, a Polish gent said to me, he go, he's not Polish actually, he's Lithuanian. He said to me, he is gonna go home eventually because of some of the racism he experienced. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, I hope you know we're not all like that. And he said, I know, I know you're not like that. But I almost felt jealous because he can go home. I can't go anywhere. And I don't play the victim. I'm big into individual battles, like I said to you. And sure. but, but I did feel a bit jealous because I have nowhere to go. I also think travelers are happy being travelers. So I also think, like, fucking leave them alone, look. You know what I mean? Like, 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 if you can't understand it, that's one thing. But don't let the fact that you haven't taken the time to learn about something let your ignorance play the benefiting factor of ruining someone's life or someone's day. I think that, like, uh, I'm very happy to be where I am today. And, and, and for the like, people right here, because, like, if, as David was saying, take it back a couple of years ago, we weren't, we're not accepted. Like, and, mm. and it's only because there is little gyms from all different parts of Ireland that are starting to stand up. And, like, there's not many of us, but we're starting to unite. You know what I mean? Like little yeah. transformer group, like we're going into the government. <laughs> but, but you get where I'm coming from. And soon, like, Leo's going to have to see me, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we'll see yeah. Leo, like. But, but I think that's it. I think, like we're, like, we're so lucky to be in that place because, like, the stigma is inside an education. Although, like, I would have faced some fucking rough years, but, like, that all broke down. And, like, yeah. if you notice over the last couple of years, travelers became something that wasn't wanted in society. Then there were a novelty act in society, 
And now we're starting to get along. Like, it was cool to take a picture with your travelling friend. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck is a travelling yeah. friend? <laughs> you know what I mean? And another, another thing as well is, the, or like, don't ever think that, like, my greatest allies anywhere are all from the Saddle community. Yeah. And like, I want to see their art and their creativity as well. Yeah. I was talking to kids recently in a small school in Chum, and like, I'd love to see the stuff that they could capture, you know, agricultural background, farmers' hands, the old machinery and stuff, black and white photography. I want to see all that. And I was talking to those kids, like, I want to see that. I want to experience it. I'm not so obsessed with my own thing, you know? Yeah. So, like, I'm not, you know, I, and we all feel like that, I'm sure. We're all interested in everybody else's yeah. art and everybody else's um, culture as well. Yeah, I suppose that's one of the things as well is that, um, I suppose, with the media is that you're always called for something to do with... Um, which, uh, like, like, for example, I'm a sociologist, but I'll never be called for anything in my sociologist degree. It's always a traveler issue, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's where it Spikes. comes from. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, what difference is there with me, a doctor of sociology and another doctor of sociology from the settled community? Well, I suppose the only difference somebody is might argue our, here our today identity. that the difference is that, getting back to something that we talked about earlier, is that you have the capability to talk from a lived experience that somebody from the settled community absolutely wouldn't be able to do on this panel. Now, that doesn't mean that you mightn't get sick and tired of getting phone calls and emails from people saying, do you want to be on this panel, that panel? You're like, oh, Jesus. Okay, I do a absolutely. whole lot of other things I've, as well I, in my life. It's not I've just no, that. You I have know. no problem with that, absolutely. I have no problem with going and talking about my community and kind of the racism that we feel. But that's not the only thing that I am qualified in. No, no, you know, no. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do know about other things as well. Like, you know? And it's true because in some ways, like it's a huge part of your identity for other people. And in some ways, it can be, at times, a small part of your identity. Because sure. we all... Um, um, we all recognise uh, ourselves, I presume, anyway, as Irish travellers. The Irish comes first and foremost, mm. you know. So okay, you okay. see there's huge love of just the country and being Irish in the travelling community. I never met a traveller person. It's funny, back to Clare Byrne again, you see all that, being ashamed of being a traveller. I've never seen a traveller that was ashamed of being Irish. Never. And Alice, not being Irish, <laughs> but but working in this field, when you started working with the Galway Traveller Movement mm. then... You, you talked there about, you know, where people lived and um, I suppose how shocked you were at their circumstances. What kind of work were you doing together? What was your kind of activation there, amplifying voices? How was that happening in that milieu? Um, uh, let's see. No, I don't Yeah, I don't. I, I can't really remember how we got to work. I think I was part of the Galway Anti-Racism Network mm. originally and we would have been meeting up in the Galway Traveller Movement Office. Um, on a weekly basis, but uh, yeah, I just began. I mean, I'm freelance; I don't work mm. for them all the time. But um, um, oh, but I, I'm not coming from nowhere. Like I would, I actually have a, a I have a deep kind of sense of uh, uh, interest and connection with uh, I, not just travel, but the idea of nomadism. I think the humans we were all nomads once. I'm a bit of a nomad, and I like I love being on the move, and I love traveling around. Um, I've actually like always been the, the one place that I've been the longest. I'm actually an Irish citizen as of a month ago, so. Woohoo! <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I just wanted to say that like it's it's something that I'm really interested in, yeah. and I think, and I'm interested in traveler culture. I'm interested in lots of other nomadic cultures, but uh, but 
I mean, I think, I think day, we, I'm interested in what connects us. We've yeah. definitely established that here today, you know, from everyone on the panel and mm. from ourselves, I think everyone in the audience as well, that, uh, yes, we're interested in what connects us. And, you know, we're also interested in looking at what divides us. And we have to be realistic about how we approach those things and see how we can make differences. And, you know, I was intrigued to hear what you were saying, David, that, and you actually as well, we'll see, that it's like, it's not that you're not aware of systems and systems of oppression and systems of control and who controls the narrative and all of those things. You then make decisions yourself in your lives as to how you want to amplify the voices that we're talking about. So it's going to be a personal journey that you want to reach out to other people as well, right? Because you're, 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 you're throwing it out into the world, aren't you? You're yeah, to, to amplify your voice, you must be able to allow them to speak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, respect what they say. Like, you know, coming to a 11 year old child and putting them down before he even gets a chance to grow up, I think. In that's bad. Um, and through the modes of art, like, like, the more we do it, like, the more consistent we are with delivering things, the more higher quality that we go, the more we approach different things and also include different factors. We can be a traveler, but we don't have to be in travel fucking movies every day of the week. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can actually star on something. We can go down a political road. And I, and I totally respect what she's saying. Like, travelers hold a lot more value than just being a traveler. Like, mm-hmm. that's a label. That's that's a fucking label, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we're human as well. And I think we should be able to be appreciated and loved for, for the for the qualities we hold. Because look at Dave. Like, like a man that works in, in caring for people. And he's overly caring for people because now he's making films to help people understand how they're only supposed to care for people. That's what... <laughs> That's what it, but the, essentially that's what it is all about because some kid from Galway that know him from driving down the road or some uh, like kid from Limerick will look at us and be like, yeah. how did they get there? How did they do that? And that's how we amplify the voices because we're giving them, the, we're, we're opening the door and you clear up there my son. You know what yeah, I mean? so it's representation as well, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says something that's huge as well and it goes back to you again as well by creating stuff that's high level. Now I know you can't, you know, not everybody can, you know, straight out of the box make something brilliant, but it's about high levels. If you perfor- perform, it sta- if the art stands by itself and its quality, then that's great, you know, because you, you, let, you set a bar. But um, you mentioned something about a human being. I'll tell you a story that's really... That, because it doesn't... Everything now, I win, I, I, nothing will break me now with racism. It doesn't bother me. It's water off a duck's back. I don't care. I turn it into art. Anytime I experience anything now, if a person's horrible, I'll watch them and I'll take a beautiful picture of them. I'll do that stuff, but I'll tell you something, and this is the God's honest truth. It's a bit corny, but it's the truth. And just in case, it's something to consider because of children. I can remember when I was a kid, um, uh, being in school, and there was an encyclopedia. There was two rooms I wanted to be in. It was either P or it was the library upstairs. I didn't want to be doing anything else. And we were in the library, and there was this book, and I don't know was it was a thesaurus or, or a dictionary or what or what it was, but it opened. It, it fell open. I can nearly remember the sound and the paper under my finger, and there was. It said human being, and um, I remember seeing it. And fast forward a couple of weeks later, we went to Knock. You probably know Knock. You know, it was a school tour. And do you remember those caps, the the visors, like poker dealers wear? They were in Knock, and there was, a, and I had two of them on, like a real clam altogether. But but, and I remember we were all buying sticks of rock and lighters. Lighters, why? But on the way home on the bus, this this kid who was probably poorer than what we were, but he was from the same same estate. And he wasn't a traveller, and maybe he felt a bit outnumbered when he was in the estate. So he had me in the bus, and there was other teachers there, so he felt confident of saying a few things. And he started explaining to me about how I was different. And um, and, and, and I, was, I, I was angry, I suppose, but I was t- actually taking it on board and believing it and understanding it. And I remember I had a German shepherd, and when I went home, I was playing with my German shepherd. 
Uh, and and I was just taking it in and I was thinking about it. And I remember going back to school and asking my second class teacher, it was before the bell went, and I said, you know how you're a human being? And she said, yeah. And I said, I have a dog. And she said, I said, what am I? And that's the God's honest truth. I didn't, and I wasn't even sad about it. I just didn't, I, I was sure that I wasn't like, like her because of what I was told. So you can imagine what that does to a kid. It wasn't even, like, it was just, I didn't even have a capacity to be sore about it or anything. But I was, they were able to make me think, literally think I wasn't a human being. My God, is that a note to end on or what? Um, well, okay, no, maybe it's not. We need something a little bit more hopeful, don't we? Um, that's kind of an extraordinary story. Um, and yet at the same time, yet at the same time, I can completely imagine it. You know when you're that small and you kind of somehow take things in and as you say, it's not even like you turned around and, you know, what the hell are you saying? But you're trying to work things out in your own head and you kind of have a few questions about who you are that you no. could even take that on board. Like, it's extraordinary. But isn't, it, isn't it great in a sense? Because, like, strength. We were talking about today about strength, yeah? yeah? And we still have it to this day. And that, and that was beautiful, what he just said. Like, he didn't feel like he had a sense of being, belonging. He didn't know, could, didn't even know he was a human at one stage. He's here today making films, empowered, empowering people. And that's the strength that we want to give. That's the courage. That's the fire that we want to keep lit inside in the traveling community. You know what I mean? It's about keeping the resilience and making great art and being happy about who we are and what we come from. It's not about, oh, you have a pair of Aramaxes and I have a pair of Pumas. That don't make no difference. Materialistic things when you die don't mean nothing. You know what I mean? But it's also about just respecting. Like, I see some of the greatest storytellers ever that come from the traveling community. And they're illiterate. Mm -hmm. And they're not writing them down. It's all wrote in here. And they, they, like, they, wow. Like, 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 is that not incredible just to be able to do that? Not even be able to put a pen to a piece of paper, but be able to just, whew. I think that's I amazing. Woohoo! I've listened to you all day, lads. But we have to say thank you. And you can sign out. Listen, okay, this is me signing out. Um, thanks to everyone for coming for coming along. I'm very sorry that we didn't get to take any questions because in fact that was the intention, but you had you know so much to say. I thought it was the better route to go to tell you the truth. And I mean it, it was a privilege and really a joy to to be able to sit and, and chat with you for this hour. So thank you very much. This event was made possible with the support of Commission the Main. If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland, join us today on wft.ie.